Thanks for joining us. My name is Jonathan Storman. I'm the preaching minister at the Pleasant Valley Church of Christ. Welcome to the series Wednesday Night Conversations. Whenever you're listening to them, we've brought in some of the best thinkers in church leadership and ministry, specifically on issues that we care about as a church, like racial reconciliation and evangelism and being an intergenerational church. If you're a part of PV or if you're outside of Pleasant Valley or even outside of Arkansas, I hope that this series will be as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. Well, hey, Pleasant Valley. Uh, I am here with Brother John Mark Hicks uh, from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. How are you, Brother John Mark? Doing very well. It's good to uh, be present with Pleasant Valley once again. Yeah. And to see you, you were here. You too, Brother John Mark. You were here um, about, I don't know, eight weeks and 10 years ago, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, sometime in February, but that was a long, long time ago. That it was, man. I saw, I saw a meme the other day that said, uh, fun leap year fact, there are 29 days in February and 300 days in April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some truth to that. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, well, when you came to Pleasant Valley, the, one of the reasons that you were here was to talk about your work on communion. Mm -hmm. um, you wrote a great book that I highly recommend if people haven't read it called Come to the Table, but mm -hmm. now the table has come to us. Yeah, so yeah. everyone is, if, if you know, they're taking communion on Sundays, they're taking communion probably at their own table. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a loss, you know, for for a lot of us of not being with people that we love during that really special moment. Um, but there's also something that I think we can gain in this yeah. season. Yes. And okay, so just confessionally, this two Sundays ago, we were taking communion and one of our kids one of our younger kids was acting up and right, you know, I'm holding the bread. We're, you know, passing it around the family table and I pop him on the head because <laughs> and that within five minutes of that is when I thought I need to set up a zoom with brother John Mark because. <laughs> so you learn how not to pop your kid's head in the middle of. Community. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It, well, it did. It I did can't seem... help you with that. All right. <laughs> I guess my first question to you about communion during this season is how do we, so, you know, there's a lot of different people at Pleasant Valley. There are some widows and widowers. There are people who are home alone. Um, there are young families. There are empty yeah. nesters. How do we make yeah. communion, um, keep it in the spirit of what Jesus intended that table to be right yeah. now? Well, that's a lot of diverse settings from a single to a large family like your own. And so the situations are going to be very different, seems to me, in terms of how that plays out. But let me start with what I think is the theology that unites us all in that moment. And it's the theology of this is communion in the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one who 
is the means by which we commune with God and with each other. So whether we're sitting alone in our home or whether we're with our family or with a small group or whatever it may be, what unites us is not our embodied presence, although we love the embodied presence and we miss the embodied presence uh, and we miss being with a thousand people on Sunday morning or whatever it is. But what is really important about this moment is the communion of the Holy Spirit. And so as we sit alone or we sit with our family and partake in the communion, we need to remember we're not alone. Mm. That the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us with the larger body of Christ all around the world. Yeah. So, for example, I, I've always said that when we have communion, say at Pleasant Valley, we have communion and we're with whatever number of people that is. We're also having communion with Birmingham, Alabama. And mm. we're also having communion with Singapore. And we're also having communion with Calcutta, you know, or wherever in the world we're talking about. And the way we have that communion is not by embodied presence, because we're not present mm. in Singapore and in Little Rock at the same time. We have communion by virtue of the communion of the Spirit, and we are united with each other by that. So as we think about taking the bread and the cup in that moment, and we're alone, Remember, you're not alone. Right. Something very real is happening by virtue of the communion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think we have to start there. Right? Yeah. But I think what we can add to that is that this is an opportunity to experience communion in something more congruent with early Christians' experience communion. Hmm. Because they experience communion in homes and at tables. It's called the Lord's table for a reason, right? Yeah. We, we sat at tables in the early church. Even in the Jerusalem church, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. And then it tells us exactly where they broke bread. They broke bread in Acts 2 verse 46. They broke bread in their homes. Hmm. So maybe, maybe there's COVID is kind of pushing us out the door. Yeah. Uh, in order to break us loose from maybe how we think this ought to be done when it's not about what ought to be done. It's just the way we did it. Nothing necessarily wrong with the way we did it. Yeah. But the spirit is pushing us out the door in some sense so that we, we're actually becoming more of a restoration church mm -hmm. by breaking bread in the home. I know that's more difficult for those who are single and those uh, who are taking it by themselves. And we would certainly want to improve on that or extend that and bring in other people along the way. But for the moment, because of the virus, you know, this is what we need to do. But we're well, not. You know, I was just thinking when you were talking about, you know, we're not alone. And I, lo I love that theology that is a, that is just so central to um, that moment. And, and uh, I've heard you talk about assemblies before you did it at Pleasant Valley. Yes. Uh -huh. If you're a single or a widow or widower, um, 
you know, you, you could you could even do communion by calling someone on the phone yes. during that time or yes. Zoom has all kinds of challenges, but you know that there are other ways to connect mm-hmm. with people right now. Yeah, I'm in a community where we Zoom for communion and mm. um, we, we all share in our bread and our, and our cup uh, at, over Zoom and we, we can still connect with one another and see one another and talk to one another. And so there's, there's not just the spiritual connection by the Holy Spirit, there's also the connection of voice and sight, mm-hmm. even though we're separated by body. Yeah. And it seems to me there's a real opportunity here for families like your family and other families um, or in small groups to actually experience the communion at a table with other people and to experience it in its table form so that, um, that we have the, 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 the form of a community around a table eating together visualizing and remembering the presence of Christ at the table, the tape that Christ is the living host of this table and actually functioning in a way of eating and drinking together. Mm-hmm. I, I would even suggest um, that for small groups, I don't know, maybe you might move to small groups at some point before you start getting everybody back together. I don't know what your plan is. Um, we don't either, but that does sound like a very good, that sounds like one of the options that are in front of us. And I think that's a wonderful opportunity to experience what the early church experienced of communion at a table, around a table. Because the church broke bread from house to house, right? They did it in their homes. So if you could get your community, your small group around a table, and maybe even eat a meal together. And at some point in the meal or a part of the meal or after the meal, whatever you might want to do it, but make it a table experience. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's really what it is. Uh, it's being at table with Jesus. It's reclining at the table with Jesus. It is, it's not just the Lord's Supper, a meal. It's also the Lord's table. And so there's something about going back to that form that enriches what's happening here. And it seems to me that if we experience that in a significant way, and we're intentional about it, that when we do all come back together and you're in that big assembly room, what we will bring is we will bring those experiences with us. And maybe it'll help us see what's happening in this big assembly room with a little more concrete feel for the tableness of yeah. this moment. Yeah. So, Brother John Mark, I, I love what you're what you're doing. I think for a lot of us, uh, I think in our fellowship, communion is a great strength that Church of Christ has. Yes. Um, in fact, I'm seeing all kinds of other fellowships, and I bet you are too, starting to reincorporate weekly communion. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think this is all, it's one of the ways we make sure every assembly we have is focused on Jesus at some yeah. point. That's true. Um, yeah. If the sermon's lousy, if, even if the singing's <laughs> bad, there's always, you know, Jesus at the center of it. 
Yeah. Um, the table proclaims the gospel. It proclaims that's right. The gospel. Yeah. You never you never leave church without the gospel in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the challenges that we we have had, I think, is because the form that we've done communion has for the last you know hundred years or so it's worked well it's been it's been fine but whenever you can't do that form any longer uh i I remember jeff childers who did a zoom with me recently and you know abilene there was a story in west west texas that they told about a church split that almost happened because uh the a white doily was laid over the communion have you heard this story I've heard similar stories, but not, I don't know that particular one. Yeah. Oh, it was a white doily that had been for decades laid over the bread. Yeah. And they said it symbolized the purity of Jesus. They said right. it symbolized, you know, the, the burial shroud and all that kind of stuff. And finally they went back to the grandmother who first started <laughs> it. And she said, it kept the flies away. That's why that's, we had that's, it. That's the punchline, right? Yeah. It yeah. Kept the, flies off the bread. That's what it was about. <laughs> but it became something else because of tradition right. and perception. Yeah. And so right now, you know, we're in a season where we can't have the white doily. Um, and we we want to keep what is central about church central. Um, ways that we, I love your idea about the meal, if, if it's that life group. But for a lot of us, having the lord's supper in a meal just feels so foreign yes it does it does even though you're right it was the lord's supper it was a passover meal jesus would have eaten lamb on that in that same moment how do you how do you make it a meal and still make it the lord's supper well uh, even paul when paul's quoting what happened at the last supper in first corinthians even paul says you know, they took the, the bread and then says, after supper, they took the cup. So mm-hmm. supper was part of it. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was not extraneous to it. This is a table event. Mm-hmm. And so supper is very much a part of what's happening here, whether it's at the Last Supper or even in Corinth. In Corinth, they were just doing it in a divisive way. They were dividing yeah. the body of Christ instead of uniting the body of Christ at the table. But By the yeah, poor I, having nothing and the rich having right. the food and yeah. Exactly. So if we're gonna do a meal, make sure everybody gets the yeah. same amount. Yeah. And, and and let everybody have time to get there and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think um, when it when it comes to uh, the meal, I understand that that's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's because we don't have a faith tradition that has focused on meals as ritual religious events. Take the Shabbat meal, the Sabbath meal of Israel, or the meals of Israel themselves, the festivals, they all involve meals, the sacrifices, you would eat the animal. And Paul actually refers to that, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse, uh, what, 15 or so? No, it's more like uh, 19, 18, 19, where he says, consider Israel. Those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. Mm. So meals are, are, are part of the religious history of Israel. And I think that was just carried over into the early church. 
Sure. Uh, but I but I think you know it's difficult for us because when we eat meals, we're talking about ball games or we're talking about you know family history or we're talking we're joking or and so it's really hard for us to reorient ourselves in a meal and that's why some ritual is important and on my blog and in my book i actually give some examples of of how to conduct a meal uh, as a lord's supper with the bread and the cup but also a meal and the ritual involves you know focusing on different aspects of the meal and walking through the meal and thinking about who God is and what God's doing among us and what this represents and how it proclaims the gospel. So, yeah, I think it's important to, to be very intentional. If you're going to have a meal, be very intentional about what you're doing at the meal in terms of the focus. You know, I, I love what you're doing, Brother John Mark, because I do think I don't, nobody knows what comes next in the COVID-19 crisis, but I do think if our life groups, if the next thing is life groups getting together uh, in person, that having a meal, I just swallowed a fly, which is entirely gross. <laughs> oh, no. That's now gross. recorded for posterity. <laughs> Can you send me a picture of that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I, I think our life groups getting together and having a meal and communion together is exactly what we what would it would help. It would be way better than, you know, hmm. what, oh, what what a, we're doing now. Yeah. What an opportunity to experience mm -hmm. what the early church experienced, to do right. it the way the early church did it. Right. Uh, that we, sounds we call, familiar. You know, we're a restorationist, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's restore this. We have this opportunity to to worship in small groups in our homes, exactly like the New Testament church did, instead so of in I buildings. Think, you know, I think I've told you, and I've told Pleasant Valley before, so I feel okay saying this. Um, I love who Pleasant Valley is in the potluck. You said, mm -hmm. you know, in our fellowship, we don't make meals religious and i'm like well we kind of do we just don't name it that well so it's after it's, the closing prayer right i mean that's sure <laughs> but it's 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 when i go to the uh, potluck at Ple the potluck at pleasant valley it's holy ground yeah i'm well, watching seniors and young families sit next to each other they're checking Fellowship. on each other yeah and yeah. you know they're there for the love of god they wouldn't mm -hmm. have those relationships if it wasn't for the love of God. Right. And, you know, part of what I love about this opportunity is if, let's say we do this in life groups, if you're leading a life group or you're in a life group, this is a great idea. Have, have the meal together. But at some point, Brother John Mark, the leader of the life group could, could stand up and take some bread and say, this is Jesus' body broken for you, and pass mm -hmm. it around. And and then is that is that what you would say, or would you say would you say yeah. more to make it special? Well, I mean, you might read scripture, you might pray, you pray of course, you might mm -hmm. uh, you might pass. The, here's what I do when I have a meal, and and I do this pretty regularly. And, um, of course, not right now, but take the bread and I break it and I pray over it. And then I pass it, and then each person breaks the bread for the other person. And when they huh. hand it to the other person, that person says, this is the body of Christ given for you. 
God loves you. Mm. And yeah. so have them express that around the table as they go. Yeah. Or take the cup. I actually have people at the table pour the cup for the person sitting next to them. So they pour it and they hand the cup to them and say, this is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you or poured out for you. Wow. God loves you. And let that, ex let that community happen at the table. Yeah. We're, we're doing that as a family right now. That's how we break the bread and say, this is the body of Christ yeah. broken for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so I, I love this. Again, your book has come to the table. And I think anybody in our fellowship who is, you know, thinking about what, what the stuff that really matters about church right now, it's a great season to read that book again. Um, yeah, we're in our home. What, right. Yeah. Cause I think you're right. We, this is an opportunity to get back to the way the early Christians and, and the kind of spirit that animated the early Christians yes. as well. Yes. The kind of sharing and community that happened mm -hmm. among the early Christians. Yeah. So, uh, the last thing I, I would like from you is just to help us think theologically about, okay, let's say in a month or two or however long, we're back in the building that we have worshiped in for a long time, but it's a new normal. And so, you know, I'm, I'm seeing our friends in Texas and Tennessee being given rules about they need to wear face masks and sit in different pews and communion elements can't be passed was one thing that I saw. Um, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it did. It made me think of this conversation. The yeah. form of passing communion trays were one was one that worked well for decades because you know yeah. everybody was sitting in pews and um, it was efficient and helped things move along. But it seems to me like in a time where we're you know social distancing and and we're also very conscience of germs that passing nobody wants to be on the back row when right. the communion tray gets passed <laughs> so if if we have to go to another system of distribution for communion in larger assemblies mm. what does that look like now that can still keep the spirit of the table of jesus alive yeah, well, some perspective here first. Communion trays and passing communion trays is only about 120 or so years old anyway. Huh, is that it? I mean, that, that's, that's new stuff. Because uh, if you think about Churches of Christ and the origins of Churches of Christ, people would gather around the table. Uh, you huh. ever heard of, uh, we're going to gather around the table now, but we never got out of our seats, right? Uh, yeah. But originally they did. They would get out of their seats and they would go to the front and they would gather around the table and they would break one loaf, one loaf, break it, and pieces would be handed out and they would drink from one cup. All right, well, you don't do that anymore, but that's how it started. I mean, that's what it was in Churches of Christ in the, in the 19th century. By the end of the 19th century, we started using trays and multiple cups. <laughs> Well, multiple cups really didn't come in until around World War One or a little bit before. But uh, was that because of the Spanish flu? 
Well, no, we started a little bit before that, before the Spanish flu, but that certainly accelerated it, especially sure. among those churches that kind of um, opposed multiple cups in the light of the Spanish flu. Yeah, people became more germ conscious and mm. uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, Spanish flu did change it, but it was already changing before that. So now we're gonna come back and we can't pass trace but we're used to passing trade. What are we going to do? Well, some churches I know are going to hand out the, the single container, you know, had the bread and the, and the cup and these little prepackaged things. And sure. they're going to hand them to people or not hand them, but maybe uh, have, a have them set somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Where they grab one. And then when in time for communion, everybody opens their own individual packet. That's okay. I mean, if we have to do it that way, all right, but that's still so individualistic to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Now I'm now I'm even missing the sense of passing and the sense of communing in terms of yeah. passing. I would I would suggest something like this, and I don't know how this works in terms of the standards of health, and uh, so this would have to be worked out. Uh, I would suggest that we go to the table with whatever social distancing is appropriate but we go to the table and it might be, we have five tables and, you know, at Pleasant Valley, you might have 10 tables set up and maybe elders and uh, elder and a wife are at each table and people go to the table. And then whoever's handling the communion has gloves on perhaps, and they take the bread and they put it into the hand of the person. Hmm. And they say, this is the body of Christ for you. Uh, and they take the cup and they put it into the hand of the person and say, this is the blood of Christ for you. So, so that nobody is, there's nothing communicable there, at least as I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, people have to check that out about what, how the best way to do that is. But I love the idea of coming to the table. What, what a great opportunity to, to uh, rethink this moment and how we yeah. do it. If we can't do it the old way we used to do it, is there a way in which we can do this that embodies the gospel, that embodies community and embodies fellowship? Can I, can I go to one of my elders and my elder put that bread in my hand and say, this is the body of Christ for you. And we look eye to eye and there's communion. Six feet away. Yeah, of, we'll yeah. 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 I'm not looking at the, I'm not looking at the back of his head, you know, I'm looking, yeah. but I don't know how that works with the guidelines that are going to sure. be in place, you know? I, you know, I I like you said we can't do it the old way we did it, but it, then again, it sounds like the older way that we did it. Yes, in our the older way, absolutely. We're yeah. going back to the pre-tray. You know, before there were trays, what did they do? Well, they went to the table. Mm -hmm. That's that's and and a lot of traditions still do that, right? Roman Catholics do that, Lutherans do that, Anglicans do that. You know, Greek Orthodox do. That's just, that's the way it has traditionally been done through the centuries. Mm -hmm. And it was the trays that were the innovation. That was huh. new. Yeah. And it definitely changed it from uh, the feel of a table so much more to what your, your language is altar, more of an altar. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the altar idea can, I mean, you can still have an altar idea, even if uh, you're doing it differently, but. Uh, I think what it changed is when we sat in our seats and we didn't get out of our seats and we didn't even stand. At first, when they passed the trays, they all stood. 
Everybody mm -hmm. stood to eat and drink. Huh. Uh, but now we sit. And so we would we, just making it more and more and more individualistic, right? Yeah. Less and less communal. I, this is a great opportunity to make it more communal, but yet also be healthy in the way we yeah. do it. You know, yeah. uh, healthy theologically as well as healthy uh, in the sense of uh, our our own physical health. Well, Brother John Mark, this has been very helpful for me. I, I'm I'm grateful for you have you thought through these things through the lens of the Bible and the way that. Um, Christians have done this throughout the generations, including Churches of Christ, and I really do think this is one of our strengths, and this is a season where we can hold on to that strength and even get closer yeah. to the spirit of what Jesus was trying to create this table to be. Yeah. So It's a moment where we can recognize, oh, that was tradition, mm -hmm. but here's what's really important. You know. So your book, Come to the Table, and then your your um, website, is it johnmarkhicks.com? Yes, it is, johnmarkhicks.com. Just put in Lord's Supper meal or something like that, and you'll see a, a how I do it, at least. It, yeah. As a suggestion, it's not the only way to do it. It's just how sure. I suggest it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time for us. Um, would you give a blessing to Pleasant Valley as we close out today? Sure. Sure. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Brother John Mark. Thank you, Jonathan. It's good to see you.